Welcome to Paul Mort Talk Shit. Curious fellow, but I like him. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. He's a shady character. What's his name? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Um, can you believe it? It's Mr. Paul Moore talking shit to himself, by himself. And it's our third podcast in the space of a few weeks. Can you believe it? After months and months out of the game, um, I got a bit busy. Uh, and things, listen, when you get busy, certain things have to go, right? You want, and we're going to talk about this concept of the juice versus is the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to what I'm going to share with you on today's podcast. And sometimes with a podcast, the, 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 the juice isn't worth the amount of time and the effort that you have to put in. Even though you love it, even though you want to add value to people's lives, like it's like anything in life, you, you're gonna, you kind of, you want to get something out of it. So on that note, please subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, comment on the podcast, share the podcast. Um, because like I say, like it takes effort, it takes time. So having said that, I am super excited to be doing this solo podcast. It's actually, it's only my second ever solo podcast and it just so happens that the other solo podcast I've done on this was on the same topic. And that is the topic of getting a handle on your boozing, getting a handle on your drinking and your alcohol intake. So I decided to do this because I keep getting asked questions about it. Like the most common question I'm getting asked is like, are you still booze free? And I'm like, yeah. But I'm at that point where I actually don't think about it that much. I don't think about it that much anymore. It's kind of like not drinking isn't really a thing for me now. But recently I hit 600 days booze free. And I said I would do the podcast. I am now, let's have a look at this. I said I would do the podcast on day on day 596 or something. I said I would do a podcast when I hit day 600. Um, <laughs> and I'm now at day 615. So I'm, I'm over two weeks late recording it. And probably another two weeks late uh, getting it out there. But here we are. I'm here. We got there eventually. Better late than never. So why did I decide to carve out the time this week? Well, number one, because I keep getting asked the questions, because people keep asking me. I feel like it's something that more and more people want to know more about. Okay? Whether you want to get a handle on your boozing, whether you want to cut down, whether you want to nail it forever, or whether you were already on what I'm going to call an alcohol-free journey. I've just puked in my mouth a little bit saying that word. Everyone's on a journey right now, right? Spiritual journey, healing journey, all that shit. Got a lot of time for it. Um, but if you're on your alcohol-free journey, sometimes just hearing somebody else talk about it um, can give you back, can, can give you some motivation, can reignite your fire around it because it can get very lonely, the no boozing thing. And I'm sure it's something that we're going to cover today. But what pushed this over the line for me was the weekend just gone, I was at the Leeds Festival. Um, with my wife, Leslie, my two kids, Max and Nina. And it's interesting because <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. I didn't, I wasn't that bothered about going. Like I'd had a week that week where I'd had hardly any sleep. I'd really struggled to get a handle on my sleep. I did three weeks in the States. We did Vegas, LA, and New York, all different time zones. Well, two different time zones there. And then back home. And then just for a few weeks, I really struggled with getting to sleep. And I remember the night before we were due to travel at the Leeds Festival, I was still awake at like 4.30. And I had to be up at 7, so two and a half hours sleep. And 
when I get when I go that long sleep deprived or with very little sleep, not sleep deprived, but when I get very little sleep like that, after a few days, I start to get a little bit delusional. Like I start to get worried about myself. You know, don't know if you ever had that. I start to have all these thoughts that aren't like in touch with reality. And I said to my wife, "Listen, I'm worried about this weekend. Like we're going to the Leeds Festival. We're going to see acts that I wasn't really that into. We were going to be." away for three days, sleeping in the middle of a field, in a tent, surrounded by people on the fucking sesh. Like, it wasn't what I needed. So I'd convinced myself, actually, I'd convinced myself that I was going to have a shit time. I apologised in advance, which is mad. I apologised in advance for what my mood was going to be like that weekend. But I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. Like, <laughs> it's really weird. It's mad. I had this belief that it was going to be terrible, that it was going to be shite, that it was going to be moody, that I wasn't going to get any sleep, that I was going to come back next week feeling worse, that I was going to eat shite, that I was going to lose my shit with somebody, that I was going to be in a bad time, that I was going to ruin it. Yet, I was proven wrong. We had an amazing time. We saw people like Billie Eilish, Imagine Dragons, who I'd never actually, I'd never really heard of them before the Leeds Festival, and they were incredible. We saw Sam Fender, we saw, we even got to see my friend Russell Kane, friend of the show. Um, I can't remember the episode, but check it out, Russell's amazing, we, get to, we got to see his act. Um, my, my daughter's probably a little bit young to see it, but I think most of the jokes went over her head. He's very fast-paced, Russell. And then we got to see uh, Central C, a rapper that Nina's into, and then we got to see The Killer Sunday night. My highlight of the weekend was actually bouncing up and down with my son and my wife singing Mr. Brightside at the top of our voice. Um, I'm actually really beaming just thinking about it because um, I didn't even know my son knew that song, yet he blasted out every word. Amazing. So um, that really triggered me. That really triggered me because... To do this podcast, because what I realized I actually had, this is mad, I had a way better time being sober than I would have if I was pissed. And I kind of recognized this, and I noticed this at the match. So you'll know if you know anything about me, you'll know I go to a lot of football matches, which is why I was so chuffed to have Mr. O9 on the podcast a few weeks ago. But I go to a lot of football matches, and particularly away games, people are just fucking tanked. And I get it. That used to be me. Like... I remember I went to Old Trafford with my son recently. We watched Man United versus Chelsea, end of last season. So the end of the 2022 to 23 season. And Max was like, Dad, have you been here before? I was like, yes, I have. But I can't remember because I was drunk. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's pretty weird thinking about it like that. But it's something that I notice every week. I'm like, y y these guys are missing loads of the match because they're either queuing at the bar or they're in the toilet. And at the Leeds Festival, like, I got to see everything. I remember everything. My mood was good. I slept well. Um, none of the things that would normally bother me, like, if I was hungover and, that, and if I was really tired, that didn't bother me. And like I say, I didn't spend any time queuing at the bar whatsoever. Didn't spend any time queuing at the bar, and I hardly spent any time on the toilet. So my belief that it was going to be shit because I wasn't drinking was blown out of the water. Like, I remember I even right at the start, even at the end of my year, of no booze. And the last time I did one of these was seven months in. I'm now, like I say, what is it? So it's 615 days, which is one year, eight months, one week. All right? Pretty cool, that. One year, eight months, seven days. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, but one of the things I realized at the end of my first year was I had a belief that my life was going to be boring without boozing. And then I realized that 
with the booze in it, I was boozing because my life was boring. Because I felt like I needed some excitement in my life. And bearing in mind, back to the start, if we look at why I stopped drinking, I was only drinking five or six times a year. And by the way, yes, that did mean that I needed willpower, I needed motivation, I needed things to stay on track, even when I only drank six or five, six, seven times a year, very maximum. So people are like, well, you didn't really have a problem. Like you're, you're assuming that because I only drank six or seven times a year that it took no willpower whatsoever to not drink the rest of the time. Of course it did. I needed strategy, I needed plans, I just needed to level up. So the belief that I had, two beliefs there, it's gonna be shit if I don't drink, I had a way better time. Way better time. I, just my energy was way fucking better. If I was drinking, I would have probably left on the f- second morning, on the Saturday morning. <laughs> Which is crazy if I think about it. I'd have been fucked all this week. The second belief that I had in the past was that without booze, my life's going to be a little bit boring. The reality was I boozed because my life was boring. I didn't have much else to look forward to on those times that I did drink. So I looked forward to drinking. So, again, I just want to touch on real quickly. So I've touched on why I'm doing this podcast. And I want to recap for you guys that are new to the podcast or can't remember the last time. I think about it, that's like over a year ago that. Like 13 months ago was the last time I recorded a, a solo podcast. Why I stopped boozing was essentially because I remember coming home from a holiday to Dubai. We'd been to Dubai for New Year's and I, I love that flight home from a holiday. I start to get... Like, I'm itching to get back into my goals, to really get after it, to get going again, to get some momentum going again, to get after those targets, almost to get back to work, right? I'm itching to do it after a week or two. After two weeks, I'm going delirious, right? I want to get stuck in. And this time, I remember setting all these goals and I was looking at, okay, what are some of the potential pitfalls? Like, what are some of the obstacles that I can see in advance? What might stop me from hitting these goals? And what I realized, there's only two things that really stop me, like illness, I put injury in there as well because I tore my pecs since, again, since the last time we spoke, a different one. I've had surgery on it. I'm ready to make my comeback. But I realized that what was going to stop me was illness and energy. And booze was the thing that contributed to that the most. Like, I'd have a drink and then I'd be fucked for like a week. I'd be operating at like 20% capacity. My diet would be all over. My, my, my training would be all over the place. I just couldn't recover fast enough. And I just got to this point where I believe, and this is a question that I've been asked a lot recently, where the juice that I was getting from boozing wasn't worth the squeeze. And I asked that, and this is why, by the way, this is in full honesty, this is why I stop the podcast when I get busy. I'm like, one of the first, I love doing it, by the way. I love delivering. I love the feedback that I get. I love adding value to people's lives. I love sharing my insights. I love talking to the guests. But the reality is the juice that I get from the podcast, i.e. the results that I get, views, downloads, inquiries, feedback, etc. And and I could work harder on it. Of course I could. But the reality is the juice that I get isn't worth the squeeze that I have to put in to record it, to get someone to edit it, to find a guest, to go backwards and forwards with times, to take time out my schedule where I could be doing things that are more effective, that give me more juice. Hopefully that makes sense. But then the booze got like that. Like, is the squeeze, is the juice that I get, i.e., is that... Is that feeling good? It's not even feeling good. It's feeling drunk. Is feeling good for a few hours, the juice that I get, feeling good for a few hours, worth the squeeze that I have to put in? In other words, is feeling great for a few hours worth feeling like shit for a few days? And ultimately, it wasn't. So my goals and the other parts of my life kind of just, I started to make them more important than getting drunk. 
right? I was like, I couldn't see a place in my life where boozing could fit. So it didn't really, and even now, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It doesn't feel like hard work. And I suppose this is my first tip for you. It doesn't feel like hard work because the rest of my life's so full. I'm doing cooler shit. My weekends are always action-packed with things to do, places to go, things to see, people to meet. Seeing a man about a dog. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But you get what I'm saying. Like my, my weekends, my weeks are full of, and again, not sacrifice, full of fun shit. Because instantly, as soon as somebody thinks about stop and boozing, they think sacrifice, they think no fun, they think willpower, they think, what am I going to say? They think, shit, what am I going to do instead? Now, what have I now got to look forward to? So instantly thinks that. So I was like, clearly there has to be some level of that, but I was like, I don't want to, stopping doing anything is boring. It seems like sacrifice. So one of the things that I had to do was start something else. Start to have a plan on a weekend. Start to book things in. Start to make promises to my kids about what we're going to do a week on a weekend now that I wasn't fucking home over. Start to plan in things on a Friday night, which is the time I want to drink. Start planning in things for the end of every quarter, which is the other time I want to drink, right? So start having a plan of action for when I'm... This is my other little tip for you here. The only time I really want to drink is when I'm bored, right? I've got nothing else to look forward to. There's nothing happening. I'm bored or I'm burnt out. So when I already feel like shit, isn't that ironic? I figured that out last year. I think about eight months in, nine months in, I was at an event in Lisbon where I was a keynote speaker, and we were at this party, free booze, VIP area, velvet rope, red rope, VIP in the VIP section with the bottles and shit, right? Big bottles, popping bottles. <laughs> and I realized then that was a big temptation for me, and I realized that I only wanted a drink because I already felt like shit. It's mad I would do that, isn't it? I know what I'll do. I feel like shit, so I'll do something else that I know is going to make me feel even worse tomorrow. I just want to feel better for a few hours. I get it. I get it. So that's essentially kind of why I stopped because I realized that there were more important things in my life than drinking. There were more important things I wanted to achieve than feeling great for a few hours. And like I say, we'll cover this. I've got a few questions that I want to answer from people that have sent them in. Is that like my life isn't boring. I'm still going to things that I would have went to if I was drinking. Like my life is fun. My life is fun. It's already fun. So I still do the things that I would do before, but there's just more importance around them. So what are some tips I've got for you before I move into these questions? So one of them is that if you really want to get this handle, you've got to actually commit. I speak to a lot of people who say they're going to do this. They're like, oh, I'm not drinking at the minute. I'm like, how long for? They're like, I'm just going to do as long as I can. That's fucking zero commitment. That is called for. I am uncommitted as fuck to this. I haven't actually committed. I've kind of committed, but I haven't really. Or I'm just cutting down. Again, admirable, but not really a commitment. And what that gives you is an out. And I believe that when I'm like, why don't you just commit to a set period of time? 30 days, 90 days, a year. It doesn't have to be forever. If you commit to a set period of time, though, guess what you do? You create the parameters for failure. So if you're uncommitted, if you're not committing to this, then you're convincing yourself that you're winning. Because making an actual commitment, a time, a number, a certain amount of days, a certain amount of weeks, years, months, whatever, when you don't do that, you give yourself an out. You convince yourself that you're not failing. You convince yourself that you're winning, but you're not really, right? 
So first one is you got to actually fucking commit. Secondly, this is ironic. <laughs> I figured out that if the goal was just not boozing, if I made the goal not boozing, don't drink for 12 months. And I'm not saying I didn't make it a goal, by the way. Don't drink for 12 months. If I was writing that down and thinking about it all the time, my attention is just on the drinking. There's too much attention on it. There's too much focus on it. What I needed to create and what I believe most people need to create is like, it's kind of a goal, but you kind of want to forget about it. You want to keep it out of you. So what, my recommendation on this is create some goals where the cost of entry is not boozing. What I mean by that is you want to create some goals that are so exciting, that are so big, that are so important to you that you will not achieve them or you will dramatically impact the likelihood of you achieving them if you drink. There are a lot of goals that are happening in my life right now that if I was drunk, even if it was only six, seven times a year, I'd lose too much time and I wouldn't be able to achieve them. I wouldn't be able to pull them off. I wouldn't be able to take my kids there. And I wouldn't be able to do all these things if I was hungover. For, you think about that. If, if I lose a week every time I drink, that's fucking seven weeks of the year. That's not including the illnesses that I'll get as a result of my immune system being compromised by the boozing all the time. That's not including the extra sickness that I would get because I was carrying more weight than I am, right? It's, it's just the reality, right? So I had to, you've got to set these goals where those goals, the cost of entry to hitting them is, I can't afford to be fucking hungover here. There's no room for it. And that's what, for me, that's one of the things that's made it, made it easiest is have a life that doesn't have room for it. And also, the life has to involve other people. Like, I believe the goals that are most important to us are the goals that impact other people, whether that's your kids, whether that's your partner, whether that's your clients, whether that's your staff, whether that's your colleagues, whether that's your friends, whether that's your parents. The goals that impact someone else are the ones that become important, right? The problem is with no booze and is it feels a little bit like it's just us. It's all about us, that. But if you can link it to goals that impact other people, it's way easier. The second one is... The next tip is, it's not the second one, but the next thing I wanted to touch on was that this concept of stopping, stopping a habit, stopping a bad habit, right? The problem is, and we talked about room before, having a life that just doesn't have room. There's no gaps to fit in, getting fucking wasted and then being ill for a few days, right? I saw a clip from my friend Chris Williamson who hosts the Amazing Modern Wisdom podcast and he was talking about the concept of going out and getting wasted on a night out. Which, by the way, I still love a night out. Still have many of them, right? And he was talking, he was basically saying, when you go on a night out like that with the intention of getting pissed and wasted, you're literally saying, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to choose to be ill for a few days. That was like, I was like, that makes so much sense. You're going out on the piss, again, I have fun, I get it. But then you're doing that and literally saying, yeah, I'm okay with being sick and ill for a few days. I don't have that. Luxury in my life. And I'm happy that I don't have the luxury, by the way. I don't want this to sound like not drinking isn't a huge sacrifice right now because my life is fun. So when I stop, when I, when I, what I'm trying to get to here is when we stop something, we have to start something else. Because when I stop that activity, what have I got now? I've got time. If I do not fill that time with something that is important to me, with something that I value, with something that is a priority, with something that's actually fun, right? Then I'm fucked. All I'm going to think about is drinking. When people say I'm going to, I'm stopping drinking, like, like, oh, what are you doing at the weekend instead of drinking? Oh, I'm just staying in. I'm like, bro, you got to fill the space. You got to fill the space with something, something that's fun, that's kind of convenient, and that's linked to your future, not your past. 
So huge tip for you on that. What else have I got? Um, I think that's about it, you know. Like, I'm going to cover a lot in the questions, but tips that aren't around the questions, and maybe I will answer them. I'm a bit unorganized on this because I just wanted to get it done for you guys. So questions that I've got, let's get into them here. Let me just dig out these um, questions. So I've got some on Instagram and i got some on Facebook. Um, the ones on Instagram I'm going to cover first because they're kind of easier to read. They're easier to get a hold of um, compared to the ones on Facebook. So this question from Sean is, how to enjoy nights out sober? And like I say, like, sometimes just deciding to. Part of us just believes that we're not going to enjoy the night out if we're sober. Like, part of you just, like, you've decided that it's not going to be fun. So here's what I do. I do the same as what I was doing if I was pissed. I talk to my friends. I ask them questions. I have a laugh. There's music on. I'll watch footy. I'll join in the conversation. I'll not make a big deal of the fact that I'm not drinking because there's no need. That's when you open up that, oh, what are you not drinking for? What, what's this? Why are you doing that? Just have one. It doesn't matter. So I get, that's the question that I get asked the most. Like, what do you say when people ask you? Like, why is it such a problem? I'm like, I don't make a big deal of the fact that I'm not drinking. And then loads of people don't, aren't digging you out and trying to, because I'm not making a big deal of it. So they don't, right? That's part of it, right? So I just decide to have a great night out. Once people start chatting shit or I start getting tired, then I'm good to go. And guess what's outside? Me fucking car. It's easy. It's easy. So the reality of that is just fucking decide. I'm going to have fun here. Think about it. If I, need to, if I need a drink to have fun on that night out, is it really a fun night out? Or am I just drunk? Think about that for a second. I remember someone saying to me years ago this, like, Paul, uh, we're doing this thing that I call the happiness buffet. Like, making a list of all the things where you feel happy doing them. They're like, well, one of the things, Paul, it feels a bit weird because I've wrote down drinking. I'm like, well, you're not happy though, are you? You're drunk. And you're drunk, actually, probably because you're not happy. So you drink to feel or convince yourself that you're happy for a little bit. So part of this is like, like, am I really enjoying the night out or am I drunk? The fact of the matter is, if I can't enjoy it without drinking, it's a fucking shit night out. But you can just decide. All right, what else have I got? I've been asked a bunch of Riyadh questions. Um, I would love to navigate, I would love to hear how you've navigated that, so the boozing thing, from the start to where you're at today. So I've kind of covered that, but navigating it, for me, is about actually using, it's going to sound weird, but like having a plan and a strategy. Like having a plan and a strategy. What have I got coming up? What's happening? Then it's easy not to drink. I'm like, okay, well, I've got this thing next week, so I can't afford to be young over for that. And the thing that I'm doing is something that I'm excited about. And then it's like, if, if, if once I started figuring out, this is the big thing for me. Once I st started figuring out what my triggers were for drinking, it was always at the end of a quarter, or it was on a Friday, or it was at Christmas. So now I just have a plan. At the end of the quarter, what do I tend to do? Go on holiday right? I take a few days break somewhere, I'll go on holiday for a week with my family, which makes it easy not to drink. And I suppose, actually, I may as well touch on this. The idea of being drunk in, my, in front of my children does not do it for me at all. I believe that kids um, don't do what you say, they do what you do. I don't believe the kids listen to what you say, they listen to what you do. They don't listen to what you say, they listen to what they see. And I just don't want to, and again, I get it if it's not your thing, but I, just the idea of being drunk in front of my children, don't do it for me. 
it doesn't do it for me. I like to think uh, of the, all the mistakes I've made in my past. This is just something where I feel like I owe it to my kids to show them how to live more than show them how to get fucking drunk and fucking mask your feelings or whatever. It just doesn't sit well with me. So um, I suppose that's pro- that belief, that real t- strong belief that I have about not being drunk in front of my kids does probably make it easier. But there's nothing stopping from you having, like, there's nothing stopping you from having that belief. Just cr- look, like, just picture yourself drunk in front of your kids. It's not for me, that. And in fact, I'll probably, I might even put in some quotes from my kids on the end of this podcast, you know? Maybe I will. And ask them a few questions, but I also find this pretty easy because my kids don't like drinking, and here's why. And again, they're 12 and 10. They've seen so many men in particular acting like dicks when they're drunk that I think they've been put off by it and they don't want to see me acting like that. They've seen fucking women pissing in the middle of the street, grown women my age, pissing in the middle of the street because they're drunk, unable to stand up because they're drunk. Men fighting with each other for no fucking reason other than they're drunk. Men throwing... I remember a while ago, we went to a pink concert at the Stadium of Light. It was incredible. And this guy, grown man, right, my age, fat, fell asleep in his seat, and then when he woke up, he picked up his pint glass and just threw it in the crowd. And I was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Had to move away from him in the end because I could feel myself like, I'm going to put this fucker to sleep. In a gentle way, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my kids have seen all of that happening. So I don't want, I, I just picture it like, would I want my kids to see me like that? And the answer is no, I wouldn't want anyone to see me acting like that. It's just not where, it's just not what I'm about, right? So navigating it at the start was essentially about having a plan and a strategy in place for the triggers that I knew would make me drink. The thing that, and this is weird, the thing that people struggle with the most is what other people will think of them not drinking. And I was just honest. Listen, I'm not drinking right now. I've got so much going on. It makes me feel like shit. And ultimately, way back when, when I drank too much, I ended up suicidal and I don't want to feel like that anymore. What questions do you have? I'd love it if you could support me on this. Now, I suppose, it's a bit of a badge of honor, but no one... No one says anything now because there's no point. In fact, my agent messaged me and he said, are you still, he said, I'm looking forward to seeing you at an event that you're speaking at. And he said, "Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you there even though you're not drinking. And I thought, oh, he's taking the piss here. And then he said, I'm actually thinking about joining you. Because one of the things that's blown me away the most is the amount of people that have said, oh, Paul, I've been following your journey. I've decided not to drink for a year either. Or I'm a, a few weeks behind you. Um, I mean, my friend Simon Thomas, you'll know him as the guy that's replaced Jeff Stelling on Soccer Saturday, my fellow football fans. Simon used to be on Blue Peter. He was the main, he was the anchor, I think that's the word, on Monday Night Football for years, and then he had a bit of a meltdown. And he's like a few days behind me, I think, on his no drinking thing. So the amount of people that I believe or have told me they've been impacted by my journey has also made it fucking incredible. Um, but yeah, hopefully that helps. So where am the days? I don't really think about it too much. I've kind of implemented the things that I've shared with you, the actual commitment to it. So after a year, I was like, that's when probably my my temptations was one of the biggest. Shall I get fucked up? And then I was like, I'm a year in. It's Christmas Eve tomorrow. I'm flying to Thailand on Boxing Day. Why would I want to be drunk and feel hungover for that? I'm just, fuck it. And I decided to do another year. Will I ever drink again? I don't know. Right now, I can't see it, but... Again, I've made the commitment for a year. I'll reassess it again in a year. That's why it feels easier, I think, because I've got that number that I'm aiming for. I've got that number that I'm going after. Um, So, yeah, that little assessment that I did and where I am now, again, don't think about it. The strategies of having a full life, the strategy of committing to it, the strategy of replacing the habit, 
the question of, is the juice really worth the squeeze? Those things are just kind of flowing for me right now. So it's weird that the less I think about it, the easier it gets. Isn't that interesting? I think that about a lot of things. Like I remember learning about anxiety way back when, and I might drop a podcast on this soon for you guys, but I remember learning about anxiety back in the day. Like stop reading about anxiety. Stop thinking about anxiety. Stop talking about it. Stop fucking Googling it. Leave all the support groups. Why? Because you're constantly reminded of something that you're trying to forget. Think about that for a second, right? Think about that with booze. And I like these support groups. I think they're powerful. But there's so much, there's a lot of time where I'm like, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I read about it, the more I write about it, the more groups I'm in, the more Google I'm about it, the more I read, all of that stuff. I'm trying to fucking forget it. It's really interesting that, isn't it? So that's maybe something for you worth looking at. A really interesting one is this. The concept of everything in moderation. I got asked that on Facebook and Instagram, and I kind of get it. But some people struggle with moderation. For me, boozing is like quicksand. I'm not the guy that's going to have one pint. I'm not the guy that's going to have one cocktail. I did do a phase, actually, probably that year, 2021. I, I, I probably did a phase where I would just be able to have one or two cocktails, but it was fucking difficult, and I still felt like shit the next day. So the the, the whole moderation thing, you'll know whether it works for you or not. You'll know by now. In your life, if you've grown adult, you probably know whether you can do moderation or not. It depends on what your idea... Maybe once a week is moderation for you. But booze is like quicksand for me. It's just not worth the... Like I say, the juice that I get from it ain't worth the squeeze. So what else have I got? Um, continuity post-milestone. I'm 365 days. This is from Dynamo... Dynamo Danilo... <laughs> <laughs> Continuity post milestone. I'm 365 days end of November and I want to make sure I stick with it. So post milestone, again, that decision for me was if I drink now, and, and what I quite like is this concept of kind of building momentum, the numbers adding up. That's why I quite like the app. I'm like, well, if I do this, I'm starting from zero. And I just, I got to that point where I was like, is this worth, is this worth it? And it wasn't. It just wasn't. It made it quite easy. And actually, Deciding to do a year, definitely, I thought would make it harder. Shit, am I ready to commit to a year? But then once I did, it was like, oh, well, it's done now. <laughs> and there was power in telling the world about it. Again, you think about that. It's a double-edged sword, right? Committing to a year is scary, but also made the decision easier. Telling the world is scary and hard, but it also made it easier. Because it was like, well, if I drink now, like I'm full of shit. So, yeah, that was me. What do you do when out and everyone else is drinking and on it? Um, <laughs> again, it's a mad question. But what do I do when everyone went out and everyone else is drinking and on it? I do what I would do if I was drinking and on it, except being drinking and on it. I still drink drinks, just not booze. It might be a Diet Coke. It might be a sparkling water. Usually isn't. It might be a blackcurrant and soda. If it's like a night out, I would probably do an alcohol-free beer. Kind of feels like you're joining in a little bit. But I just join in. I just join in. Like, there's no there's, there's no need for... And then, by the way, when people start getting annoying and I start getting a little bit tired of it or I've heard the same story, it's weird this. I was thinking about this last week as well. Like, it's weird that your friends and you, when you're drunk, and if you've been on the bag or whatever it is you're into, you tell the same stories all of the time. Like, that time you had a fight at school or that girl you fucking slept with. 
or that guy that said this to you. Like, you repeat those same stories. It's like at a certain point, like once it gets after midnight, no new stories. The same story every time you're on it in someone's fucking kitchen. Not for me. Not for me. So yeah, I just do what I would do on the night out, except the drinking and getting on it. I do the same shit. There's no need not to. Um, it actually does make me want to not go on as many nights out because I realize that actually they're fairly boring. I can see me friends at other places. I can see me friends somewhere else. I can go for a coffee with me friends. I can go for dinner with me friends and the family. Like, I can still go. But, but actually, if I think about it, nights out aren't that exciting. They're not. I do things that are more fun. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, actually, when you think about it on a night out, what do you do? You go to a bunch of pubs, right? To just, like, have a laugh and chat shit. Like, for no, like I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Like, it's not really, my mates aren't really into that. I mean, the drink quite heavily, but like sitting in what used to be someone's front room and having a conversation, isn't that exciting really, is it? It is exciting though when you've got fuck all else going on. Think about that for a second. If that's the thing that you've got to look forward to, you've got to make better plans. You've got to have better strategies. And I get it. I still love that, by the way. Going out, going out on a Sunday afternoon and watching the match with me mates, fun. But if it's the most exciting part of my week, that's on me. It's not on anybody else. It's not people say, oh, it's different for you, you got money. That doesn't fucking matter. You don't need money to create an exciting life. It helps. Because you get to do bigger things and go to different places, but you don't need loads of money to do that. Think about all the money you'll be saving off not drinking and sniffing either. Like as well, do you know what I mean? So one of me go-to alcohol-free beers and drinks. In the first year, I drank quite a lot of alcohol-free beers and drinks. This year I haven't drank as many. Um I still love the Asahi Dry Zero percent. Because it's nice, and it's got no calories in it, which makes it even better. I love the, the Heineken Blue. I like. I don't like the Guinness, um, but I, didn't, I don't like the alcohol version of it, Guinness. So the non-alcohol version, like, there's no upside at all. Like, at least when you're drinking the Guinness with alcohol in it, you get the upside if you get a buzz off it, right? But the, 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 the non-alcohol version just didn't do it for me. Um, I also love, there's a one by Camden, Camden Ales, I think. They have a delicious alcohol-free lager. And also the alcohol-free Punk IPA. The Punk IPA by BrewDog. That alcohol-free beer is delish as well. And there are probably a few, other, few others as well. But I just, again, if I'm in a bar, I just don't have a thing. And I'm like, can I have an alcohol-free beer? And there's usually only one anyway. <laughs> but here's a really mad one for you. I went to one of my favorite restaurants called Hjem. H-J-A-M. It's in Northumberland. It's like Hexham Way. Unbelievable restaurant. I've been a couple of times. The last time I went, me and Leslie, my wife, when we go to a Michelin star restaurant, we've never drank, which is really strange. But what I love hearing is when someone gets the, it's called a pairing menu, where you get a taste of the menu and then they choose the wine that you drink with each course, right? Sometimes there are quite a few. And I'm always fascinated listening to what's called the sommelier, if you know what that is, like the chief wine guy, right? Fucking snob, I sound like a fucking snob here, right? But the sommelier, I'm always fascinated hearing like where the wine's from and how long it's been for and where they get it from. And like, I just love hearing the story, right? I love hearing the story on it. And I went to Hiem recently and they had, a, they had a soft drink pairing menu where they had different juices and cordials and smoothies. And it was fucking amazing. Like, I remember this one, one that I was having and it was like a lamb dish, a beautiful lamb dish, like really like really strong flavor of lamb with gravy and mint. And the drink that we had was like a wheatgrass and it went with it. And I was like, shit, this is mad. Anyway, 
So that's great as well. What other questions have I got? Um, improvements, if any, to your mental health. This is a great question. What improvements have I seen in my mental, seen in my mental health? Well, the mood swings are like down. Let's just say my mood swings have at least almost gone. Not totally gone because I'm human, because I get tired, because sometimes I have a shit night's sleep, because I'm just human. But the mood swings on boozing were very strong. Very strong. Why? Mood up, mood down, mood up, mood down. Drinking, weeks recovering. But my mental health has improved dramatically. I can't remember the last time I had a problem with anxiety either. either. Cannot remember. It'll give me a little whisper every now and again, but I can't remember. And part of the reason is, you think about this, like mental health needs physical support, right? Mental health needs physical support. Some people are like, oh, Paul, I'm really struggling with anxiety this week. I was like, you're on the fucking bag. And even just on the booze of the weekend, you got to consider the amount of effort that your liver has to go through. Where do you experience depression? Well, it's a mental health thing, but do you experience it in your body? Yes, you do. You get the shoulder slump, you get the low physical energy that goes with it, right? So doesn't it make sense then if I feel these emotions that come as a result of these mental health challenges, if I experience those emotions in my body, doesn't it make sense then if I treat my body like a fucking bin that it's going to struggle? Anxiety, even more so, that's experienced in your body. So therefore, doesn't, doesn't it make sense then that if I give my body some support, then it's going to appreciate it? Mental health needs physical support and... Alcohol, whether you like it or not, is poison, is ethanol. Like, there's no benefit to it whatsoever. Even all those studies about wine being good for you have been, I'm pretty sure they've been disproven now. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah. Next one, which I found quite interesting because I get asked a lot about timelines. Like, when did you start feeling better? But that's not something that I've tracked. So I've got how you felt in a timeline of one month, two months, three months, and six. Um, one month, two months, and three months, the... the they were all right. It was actually three months in when I got... The, the first few months were easy, really, because I wasn't really drinking in that time anyway, and I'm very busy for the quarter. The the three months in, when I got to the end of the first quarter, that was pretty tough because I, I'm just used to celebrating with a drink then. What did I do instead? Can't remember exactly, but I had a plan. I had a strategy. Some way of me unwinding, some way of me celebrating. It was probably food. Probably. Um... Six months, what was the what did, difference did you feel then? Well, once I was six months in, I was flying. I was flying. It wasn't something that I thought about too much. Um, and again, I was just kind of, I would say I was immersed. I was immersed in other areas of my life. I was immersed in progress in my family. I was immersed creating experience. I was immersed in learning. I was immersed in jujitsu. I was immersed in traveling and holidays and football. I was just immersed in it so. Like I say, I kind of forgot about it. Hardest and easiest points. I mean, I suppose I wouldn't really say there's an easy point. Like, being on holiday, I find easy because I'm spending so much time with my kids and I have no desire for my kids to see me pissed, not even tipsy. No desire for them to see that. It's unnecessary, in my opinion. Hardest points have actually been not what you think they were. Like, it hasn't been going to UFC, going to football, celebrating after my live show, it hasn't been going out for meals. It hasn't even been going out with my friends. The hardest points have been where I've had a hard week at work. I'm tired and I feel like shit and I'm just like, oh, I could love a drink right now. 
like that's been the hardest points where I've been tired and fucked and I've had a hard week and it's Friday. And then the challenging this year, it's been a couple of times because since I got my injury where I wanted a drink, and particularly the night of the injury, Leslie's away with her friends. I've torn me peck. I can't drive. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'd love to have a drink right now. That was probably the biggest challenge this year on that. But like I say, the hardest points have been when I felt like shit. Not when I've been celebrating, but when I felt like shit. The most challenging times. All right. Let's have a look then at some of these other questions. By the way, I'm hoping you're finding this useful. Hoping you're finding this useful. Let's bring this up. And do me a favor. If you're watching it on YouTube, what's your biggest insight so far? If you're watching this on YouTube, what's your biggest insight so far? If you're watching this on Spotify, or if you're listening to this on Spotify or one of the podcast channels, like, send me a message somewhere, like, what's your biggest insight? What's your biggest challenge? Here we go. Who have you impacted the most since you've been alcohol-free? It's a good question, that, because when you go alcohol-free, you do impact people, and not always in a positive way. Sometimes your friends might take it personally. Sometimes your family might be like, oh, like, why are you not drinking? Like, I've never really had that too much because I was just honest with it at the start. Said, I'm doing this. Here's why. Um, I'd, I'd appreciate your support. And then, I, actually, after that, I just don't make a big deal of it. I just get on with it. I just kind of pretend like I am drinking. Right? I just, I don't make a massive deal of it. Like, and none of my friends and none of my family and none of my colleagues have really said anything about it. I've had the odd, oh, boring. I'm like, mate, if there's anything you know about me, I'm not boring. My life ain't boring. I think that's one of the cases to it. Like, you got to start creating a life that isn't boring. And guess who that's on? You. It's on you. That's the amazing bit about it. So, um, who have you impacted the most since being alcohol-free? I would say you've got my team, you've got my kids, you've got my staff, you've got my clients, you've got you guys that follow me, you've clearly been impacted. But I actually say my wife, because it would be my wife that would have to deal with the come-downs. It would be my wife that had to deal with the moods and the huffs and the shit energy and the not doing anything around the house and she'd have to deal with the hangovers. So my wife, 100%. She's also on the same journey with me. She, she's at exactly the same point as me. Exactly the same point as me. So that's that. If there was only one piece of advice you could give to someone struggling with alcohol, what would it be? I mean, there's a lot of bit of advice here, but if it was one thing, and it's going to depend on where people are at. Part of it is you've got to ask yourself what you really want from your life. What do you really want from your life? I would probably put in there about who else it impacts. Who else does this impact? Almost finding your why. Finding your motive. Remember, motivation. I need to get motivated, not drink. Motive just means what's in it for me. What's in it for me and other people if I stop drinking? On the other side of that, you've got the pain side. What impact is this having on me and other people in my life? That's how we start to create a lot of motive. What's in it for me and other people positive? What's in it for... What, what, how is it impacting? How, how is it causing other people and myself to suffer? So it's actually asking great questions and creating a lot of motive around it that I'd recommend. Um, here's an interesting one. When you're feeling low in energy, which is, again, I've said this, this is one I've wanted to drink the most. A reminder of how to pull yourself into a better state and not to spiral further. So you can actually change the way you feel by thought alone, right? You can change the way you feel by thought alone. That's going to sound insane. But consider this for a second. I learned this from Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I'm actually going back to study with in November. So I'm very excited about that out in uh, Switzerland. And this was the, essentially, when you ask yourself a question or when you answer a question from somebody else, your brain will look for a reference and it'll find a reference. 
right? So it'll find an answer. Then it creates neuropeptides and it sends the neuropeptides via the spinal cord to the hormonal centers and you get a feeling. So sometimes just like, what am I excited about today? What am I most excited about right now, right? What am I most excited about right now? Um, who could I send a message to to let them know I appreciate them? Um, how do I want to feel and what am I willing to do to feel like that? Like real simple. Sometimes it's going out for a walk helps me a ton. Listening to some music helps me a ton. Cold helps me a ton, right? Laughing helps me a ton. Getting around other people actually helps me a ton when I'm low on energy. I had this the other week. Like, again, I remember last Wednesday, I got about two and a half hours sleep. Next day, I had an event. That morning, fuck me. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was low mood. I was like, how the fuck am I going to get through this? I was like, I've got so much to do and so little energy to do it. I know for a fact that my fucking Alexa, Alexa, what a great word. My Alexa, my solution to that is actually just being around other people. Not having to be the center, but just being around other people. Because what I figured out was that other people are actually all right, you know. When you have a better relationship with yourself, you'll understand that not everybody's out to get you. When you have a better relationship with yourself and you feel good about yourself, you'll understand that people are fucking all right. They're trying their best. Yeah? And I get energy off other people. So um, there are some tips for you. What else have we got? Your advice for someone who can't get themselves out of the cycle even when they're spending thousands on rehab facilities. So this is, again, I could go into depth about creating a why, but you got to change your environment. You gotta change your environment. If you're in an environment that is surrounded by booze, then it's a challenge. So follow all the tips that I've said today about environment, the people in it, the people in it. If you're surrounded by, if a lot of your time is spent with 10 people that are piss heads, it's gonna be very difficult for you not to become the 11th piss head. Why? Law of conformity. We wanna fit in. We wanna get the approval of the peer group. We don't wanna be kicked out of the tribe or the village, right? So regardless whether we like it or not, we call it peer pressure. It's not really peer pressure. It's our need to fit in, right? But if you look at it, if we really look at this, like you're trying to get the approval of and you're modeling the behavior you wouldn't swap places with. You're modeling the behavior of people whose life you don't want them to be like. So why not model the behavior of people who you do want to be like? Anyway, there's that. So I've, all the advice that I've just given for that will be great. So what else have I got here? Um... Oh, how you feel about 600 days booze-free, how your mind and body feels, and also the thought of drinking again, how you feel about having a beer or drink again. So how I feel about 600 days booze-free, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I actually think, sometimes I think that's not a very long time at all. And then sometimes I'll flick through the app and I'll be like, actually, 600 days sounds cool. One year, eight months, and a week sounds even fucking more impressive. But actually, is it that impressive? Is it? This is what I find intriguing about. And I'm like... Some people think it's amazing. Some people are like, oh, well, that's nothing. I haven't drank for 20 years. I find that really intriguing the way that I feel about that. Um, so yeah, it's cool. But what I also love about it, one of the beliefs that I got at the end of the year was, I thought, you know what? If I can do that, what else am I capable of? I've just signed up for Everest Base Camp. I've done a lot of challenges in my time. And actually, if I can go that long without drinking, considering the environment that I'm from, I'm from the Northeast, I love football, I love being around football, I love going to football, I love going to fight nights, boxing, UFC, MMA, bare knuckle. I love going to all of those things. Um, I was brought up, my formative years as a teenager, I was spent working in a factory where everybody was on the drink all of the time. Guys would come in stinking of booze, right? I'm from that working class background. So if I can go a year without drinking, 
Like, what else can I do? It's a, it's a really interesting thing to do. So that's how I feel about it. Um, how my mind feels is like that, strong. It feels on point. It feels like I actually have proven to myself that I do have some level of discipline, which is quite interesting because we're often like, oh, I've got no discipline. I've got no willpower. I'm so lazy. I'm so weak-willed. But actually with this, I feel like I've set a bit of a standard with it. Um, my body feels okay. Like it feels okay. I've got a lot of injury. Well, I, I, I tore my pec and I'm not sleeping great. I'm actually sleeping better since the Leeds Festival, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, the last one, the thought of drinking again, how you feel about having a beer or a drink again. Like I say, I'm loose with it. I'm quite loose with it. Will I have a drink again? Well, we'll look at that on the 23rd of December, 2023. And then we'll see. Right now, this second, I would say that I'll probably never drink again. Probably. But I wouldn't like to say for sure. What else have I got? Ooh, having really bad days and your go-to mindset to pull that day around into a positive. So you've got to consider that there are no good and bad days. There are only days. And there are meaning you attach to it. I'm just like, I'm having a challenging day today. Guess what happens when you're challenged? You fucking grow. You're picking up the heavyweights that day. That's how you get the muscles. That's how you get stronger. That's just the way I see it. So pulling that day around into a positive is actually just about changing the focus. What opportunities are here? What can I now do that I couldn't before? What am I learning? What's the upside of this? What's the positive of this? Like, what's the what's the benefit of this? What's the... Like, what's the impact? Like, the, all of those questions that steer your mind towards making that day a positive one is powerful. Um, what else have I got? How you handle those who don't understand why you don't drink? Why you don't drink? I don't think there's anything to handle. I often get asked, like, how do you handle these types of people? I'm like, I don't have to handle them at all. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to say. Ultimately, they can say what they want. But I'm if I'm cool with my decision, if I'm cool with where I'm headed... I think this is the challenge that people have. They're not quite clear on why they're not drinking. They're not quite clear on where they're headed. They're not quite clear on how important it is to them. So therefore, they constantly think they have to deal with people. I don't have to deal with the people because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. I know why I'm doing it. I know the impact it has if I do drink. I know the impact it's having if I don't drink. So there's actually nothing really to deal with with these people other than my thoughts about them. I know that they're trying their best. I know that they're, that they're not trying to bring me down or trying to get me to drink. They're trying to make themselves feel better. Like, you think about that. I'm honored that people appreciate me so much that they think highly enough of me to want me to join in with their drinking. Like, think about how much of an honor that is. You want me to join in with you? I'm not going to, but we'll have a great time anyway. Like, that's that's where I'm at. It's just a di- It's It's more, it's not, it's not, handling the people who don't understand. It's handling my thoughts about those people. So, some good questions here. My relationship with booze in the 12 months before you stopped. So in 2020, I realized something. I remember in 2020, and I said this the first time I did this podcast. I remember in 2020, I drank for two weeks in a row for the first time since 2014. Not a big deal for most people. Totally normal for most people. What, that's it? Two Fridays in a row? Fucking lightweight. But anyway, I felt like shit. I was eating shit. I felt rubbish. I wasn't training. And I was like, why am I doing this? And I realized that I was doing it because in that period, the lockdown, I had nothing else to look forward to. My Friday nights were kind of taken away from me. On Fridays back then, I'd be, what would I be doing? I'd be training jujitsu. I'd be going to the cinema. I'd be going rock climbing. I'd be going... 
um, swimming, going bowling, all that, and then it was suddenly taken away. So that's my bo- my relationship with booze kind of changed again. Then got to consider my my relationship with booze in 2014 changed rapidly because I was going to kill myself. In 2020, it changed again, and that I realized that when I've got nothing to look forward to, that's when I want to do it. When I do it, it makes me feel like shit. So it changed again. Then it changed again in that that 12 months before where I remember 2021, I did get sick a lot. I did get sick a lot. I was off work for three weeks with like this long COVID, apparently, bullshit, right? I was off work for three weeks. I got sick a lot in that year of 2021. Um, So my relationship changed then when I realized how much time I was losing, when I realized what goals I wasn't in, when I realized what dreams I wasn't making happening because of how tired I was, of how sick I was, and just how much time and energy I was losing down to this one thing. And often we can't make the link, right? We can't make the link. But many people can't make the link between anxiety and boozing. You can't make the link between depression and boozing. You can't make the link between booze swings and bipolar and boozing. Funny enough, when you stop doing that, a lot of those symptoms go away. Not all of them, because it's not the main cause, but it's like nobody wants to address it. It's like nobody wants to address it. Um, Luke's also gave me the question of the three biggest challenges. Three biggest challenges were filling the time on a week, the, the Friday nights where I'd normally drink, were navigating the times where I'd quite like to celebrate. So you got to think about in that period, I saw my team get promoted to the, to the championship. I did two live shows. I spoke at big events all over the world where the drink was free and flowing and kind of celebrity status. Fucking hell. Navigate a lot of shit. Um, so I could add any of those in there for the three biggest challenges. But I suppose the biggest one is what do I do when I have no energy and I feel like shit, where boozing is easy then, right? You think about a lot of the time, you're like, oh, I'm just going to do that instead. When I'm tired and I feel like shit and it's a Friday and I've got no energy to do the things that might make me feel a little bit better, that's probably the biggest challenge. That's probably the biggest challenge. That's where it's the benefit of, well, I've got a soul now. Well, I've got fucking a PlayStation. Well, I've got... My kids that I can go and like maybe go for a little walk with, I can watch a movie, whatever. I've got to make it easy. Um love this question. What are the expectations of stopping booze versus the reality of stopping booze? The expectations are usually the negative ones. No one thinks it's gonna be easy, I don't think. The expectations are it's gonna be hard. That was my expectation. It's gonna be hard, it's gonna mean sacrifice, it's gonna be boring. I'm going to have a shit time at events that I'd normally have a great time at. That was the expectation on my side. The reality was that the the reality of stopping drinking was that actually I drank because parts of my life were boring. The reality was I can make my life more exciting. I can have more energy, right? Excitement and energy go together. I can have more energy and I can have a better time at these events. A way better time at these events. That's what I have done. I've stayed up late. I haven't spent most of my time in a huff. I haven't wanted to fucking start a fight. I haven't had random arguments. I haven't made mistakes that you normally make and say things that you regret when you're pissed but not remember seeing them. I haven't, you got to think about this, how many people post fucking messages on Facebook and send loads of messages when they're pissed. Embarrassing that behavior. So the reality and the expectations were different but I'm not sure that's the answer that you're expecting from me. Great question. Do you think you'll ever have a drink again? Don't know. Um, here's a big one, Luke. The standout, fuck it, I'll have a few moments. And how did you change your mindset on that so quickly? The standout one for me was when I was going 
to see my friend fight. And I was going to go straight after the Sunderland match. And on this day, I was tired. This is the closest I've came. Probably. On this day, I was tired. Real tired. I think I'd had a tough week at work. I was looking forward to going to the match, and then neither of my kids wanted to come. And I've just spent a lot of money on their season tickets. Neither of them wanted to come. So now I'm at the match on my own. I'm already in a huff. And then I go to to watch this fight, and I get stuck in traffic. I'm still sat in traffic, and the fight's over. And I'm fuming, and I'm tired. And I actually go and then buy four cans. I buy four cans, I take them home, and I'm sat in front of them and ready to open them. And I suppose what kept me going was, like how I navigated it and changing mindset on it was I was like, it's part of the great reason about, well, I'm this many days in now. Do I really want to start from zero? Do I really want to go from zero? What will I tell people? What will I say to people? Will I lie? Will I cover it up? Start to question my own integrity. So the big one was just those questions. And what helped me was like, will I have to start from zero? And I wasn't willing to. I'd committed to a year booze free. I'm not a liar. I mean, I lie sometimes. Everybody does. But I'm not a liar. I'm not full of shit. And I like to think I have integrity. So my integrity saw me through. But what helped me the most was the commitment and the time. I knew I was this far in and I didn't want to start from zero. I knew I was this far in and I also didn't want to lie. And then also I had plans for the next day. I was going to go and train jujitsu. Made it easy. Wonderful questions. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. Why do you have to answer to, or oh, why have you given up booze? Why is it always seen as boring? Because most people, and again, this sounds really dickish, but I'm saying it anyway. Most people have boring lives. And the most exciting part of their week, their month, their fortnight is drinking. And they think that your life is as boring as that. That's the truth. And them getting on your case makes them feel better about their drinking. And that's fine. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'd be interested to hear, this is from Jane. This is mad. Jane was uh, my girlfriend in comprehensive school. That's mad. I've just seen it. Hello, Jane. Uh, I'm sure we drank many um, ciders. Um, Pulse, White Lightning, 2020, together back in the day. In fucking, how long ago was that? 30, fucking hell. 26 or 27 years ago. That's wild. 26 or 27 years ago. Um, so I'd be interested to hear when you notice the difference to your exercise and fitness. Quite quickly, actually. Quite quickly, actually. It started adding up quite quickly, all of that. Um, I wasn't ill as often. My cardio was better. Um... My recovery was better because my body wasn't trying to cover from exercise as it was recovering from boozing as well. Um, I was able to train more because I was able to get weekend sessions in, different kind of sessions, right? So um, I wouldn't, I would say quite quickly for me. But you got to consider if I'm only drinking six times a year, but I did notice a, quick, a, 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 a difference quite quickly. But I suppose not as quick as if I was like drinking every week, every other week, once a month, for example. Um, what I love about this... How and when you made the decision for it to be long-term rather than just day by day, or I'll save it for big occasions, yeah. Yeah, and that was the time when I sat down on that flight home and looked at my goals, and I was like, there's only, there's not that much going to stop me here. Like, my mindset, I'd like to think, is pretty on point. I'm, I'm fucking hell. I've trained it for a long enough time. I'd like to think it's pretty on point to take on challenge. And my fear of opinions and what people think doesn't get in the way of me doing what I want. It's people's biggest challenge, my fear of failure doesn't get in the way. What slows me down the most is energy and illness. So that's when I decided 
to and actually it's a great question this year what made me decide for it to be long term rather than just saving it for big occasions I was kind of doing that anyway but what I realized is that I had to make a commitment and the commitment that scared me at the right level like forever I wasn't willing to stay I'm still not the commitment that scared me at the right level was 365 days I'd seen people I know do it one year no booze one year no booze it's quite a big claim that in it so the, the the kind of prestige of that number, it was the right amount of fear. It was it felt important because it was going to impact other people. It excited me being able to say, I've done a year, no booze. Um and the whole it, it scared me just enough, just enough for it making it that important. Um I remember actually the year before, the year before that, I said to my brother in law, I'm not drinking this year. I only told him by the February we went to an away game. I think it was that Man United one I mentioned at the start and we got drunk. Didn't last at all. But I only told him once I committed to the world, game over for me. Great question, Jane. Uh, what else have I got? What else have I got? Uh, there's nothing about... What would you tell your kids when they start drinking? <sighs> what a great question, Roy. What would you tell your kids when they start drinking? I don't think... I don't think, and it's a big challenge this because I don't know where I'll be. I don't think I'll say anything. I like to think with my kids, I try and let them figure a lot of stuff out themselves. And I think they've seen enough to not go mental. But who knows? Who knows? I suppose I cross that bridge when I come to it. Um, but I hope that I'm kind of conditioning them a little bit just to err on the safer side, not to get, not to make it a habit. But we'll see. We'll see. I suppose I haven't got an answer to your question. I'll see when I get there. I'm, I don't. I don't. I don't think I know it all on this, but I also don't think I'll be in a place to think. Don't drink. You shouldn't drink. Don't do this. I think it's important for them to have their own experience of life, right? Um, great question from Harry. And I suppose I've kind of answered, but I'm gonna touch it again. On special occasions, birthdays, Christmas, Sunderland at Wembley, does the why change, and why don't you have just a few on these types of days? Because I can't have just a few. I really struggle to have just a few. It's like quicksand. Once I'm in, I'm in. Once I'm in, I am in. So I know myself. I suppose it comes from self-awareness. And even then, a few still makes me feel like shit. If you've got one of these whoop bands, right, which shocks your recovery in your sleep, I really like it. I know a lot of people don't like them because they get obsessed with the numbers. The numbers stress them out. The numbers don't stress me out. I don't obsess over it. I really enjoy reading the data. I'm really fascinated by it. And if you've ever seen that, even after a couple of drinks, your recovery just goes... Because your body's working really hard to deal with what is essentially you poisoning it. So the why doesn't really change too much. The why stays the same. But ultimately, I know that it's not stopping at a pint. It's not stopping at two. I'm going to keep going. So that's me. Uh, what else have I got? A lot of great questions here from Jason. What kept you motivated? Um, the motive that I had, that I had more important things to worry about, to focus on. I had more. I had things that inspired me more and excited me more than getting pissed. I had things that I gave more of a fuck about than being drunk and f fitting in with other people that are drunk. So that was the motivation. By the times that I struggled, yes. Um, did you read anything for support? Nothing. My own journal. My own journal. Again, I know that if we're trying to forget about something, stop something, quit something, that... Once you know a little bit of the why, you kind of want to detach yourself from it. Like, I don't want to be, again, I'm trying to forget about the fact 
I'm trying to forget about boozing so it's not part of my life. So therefore, I've got to starve it of attention. What does something happen when you, what happens to something when you starve it of attention? It dies. So my need for drinking kind of ran away, like died. When I stopped talking about, when I stopped thinking about, when I started getting obsessed with it, right? Because you can do that. And you've got to consider that if I am doing that, then I've made it a big part of my life, which is, which for me, I thought was kind of fucking sad. What else we got? Is alcohol an addictive thing or is it just a habit? I don't know. I wouldn't ever consider my, I wouldn't have ever considered myself an addict, but isn't that what all addicts say? Um, I don't know. It's going to depend on the individual. Can we use NLP and willpower to not drink and stay not drinking? Okay, so I believe that you can use willpower, but it doesn't work long term because willpower has an expiry date. And I believe that willpower and energy go hand in hand. Notice like when your energy's higher, when your energy's higher, willpower and motivation, not a problem. When your energy's lower, that's when willpower becomes a problem. And that is when your environment matters. What I mean by your environment is your physical environment, what you read, what you watch. So I like, I mute all the WhatsApp groups where the lads are sending them pictures of, like they're just posting pictures of what they drink and the cans, the pints, whatever that looks like, right? I have to mute all of that. I unfollow all of the lad Bible stuff where people look like having the great, why? Because it reminds me of something that I'm trying to forget, right? So that is me setting up, don't keep booze in the house, right? When my energy is low, when, because I know that when my energy is low, my willpower is low, I won't expose myself to the environment or I'll just go for 10 minutes or I'll just, I'll, I'll just set up that environment and win because when your environment isn't in line with your goals, all you're left with is willpower. And when your energy is low, your willpower is fucking non-existent. So I don't believe you can rely on willpower. But I believe that if you set up your environment to win, if you create your environment so that it's in line with your goals, then it's much easier. Great question. Um, what else have we got? Oh. <laughs> Um, are you concerned, this is from my man Dennis, are you concerned that you put too much emphasis on this and if you accidentally have a drink, you'll beat yourself up or feel like a disappointment? So I don't put too much emphasis on it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't put too much emphasis on it. I just have a life that doesn't have room for it. I just have a life that doesn't have room for it anymore. Um, if you accidentally have a drink, you'll beat yourself up or feel like a disappointment. So I don't believe there's accidental drinking. I don't believe that's a thing. I believe that that's always a decision I'm going to drink. I do have a friend, though, Ellie Mackay, from the On A Mission podcast, what's up, Ellie, um, who actually was in Spain, probably fucking Marbella, and the restaurant, the wait and the restaurant thought it would be funny to give her alcoholic drinks when she didn't ask for them. Thought it would be funny. She was fucking raging. I think she was like eight months into a year as well. <laughs> Just fucking... I'll be foaming as well. Yeah. Um... So what else we got? Do I think I beat myself up or feel like a disappointment? Yes. But that's good. Right? If I don't feel those, if I don't think, fucking hell, if I do this, if I drink now, then I failed, what's the point in setting the goal? If I don't think, um, well, if I drink, I'll feel like a disappointment. That's part of the motive, right? That's part of the drawback. If I drink, I'll feel like this, and I don't want to feel like that. So therefore, I won't. See what I'm saying? So it's a great question. But ultimately, like, that's good. I'm not concerned about that because that's part of the motive, right? Like, some people are more motivated and driven to move towards pleasure. 
And some people are more motivated to move away from pain. But ultimately, all of us are both motivated by those two things, just some more one way. So sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm wary of the benefits of not drinking, and sometimes I'm more wary of the drawbacks of drinking. And often it's the drawbacks of drinking that get me going more than the benefits of not. I hope that makes sense. So it's good to have both. All right. Listen, that's all I've got time for today. I've had an absolute blast on this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please subscribe. Go to my website, paulmott.uk. We have got all sorts, ranging from free mini courses to free audiobooks to audiobooks that you can buy to opportunities to work with me. You can book calls to speak to, you can book what I call clarity calls to speak to one of my team about possibly coming in and having me as your coach, as your guide, as your mentor. All of that is on paulmort.uk. I hope you've enjoyed this. Do me a favor, wherever you're watching it, give me some feedback on what your biggest take-homes were, on what you're going to implement, on what you've never considered before, on something that you like, that you call an aha moment. I can't believe I just said that. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the flip side.